wintry Sunday evening right now, and I'm talking, as always, with my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, TCU beat Baylor. Everything's great, right? You know, I tweeted this the other day and said, do I like being a TCU fan? I don't know. Beating Baylor? Absolutely. Uh, and that's yeah. kind of where I, where I stand. Look, I, I don't, I'm not rooting for a loss. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the trade-off of the years off of my life that that second half took might have been worth it. I'm not sure. So let's address this up front. I was not able to watch the game live. Uh, I was blissfully uh, unaware of everything going on. I was following it. I was outside in New Braunfels, socially distancing and uh, drinking some very, very good adult juice boxes with some friends. Uh, When TCU was up 30 to nothing, I turned my phone off, didn't really look at it. I was going to watch the game later. And then I turned it back on and you were having a meltdown. Uh, no offense. And everyone else on Twitter was like, oh, no, Baylor's going to win this game. What happened, Parker? I wasn't having a meltdown. I was having an appropriately no, okay. proportional response. I guess I was having I, a meltdown I, in the DMs. Yeah, in, in private. Uh, no, so here's what happened. TCU in the first half was successful on 39.4% of plays. And Baylor was successful on 9% of plays. Most of those plays came on one last drive where Baylor kind of scored a garbage touchdown. I can't believe they called it uh, a touchdown. It was... It was, a, it was a bad call, in my opinion. TCU was averaging seven yards per play, and they were allowing 1.04 yards, uh, yards per early down uh, to Baylor. And then TCU said, you know what? All the things we've done to get us to this position, all the things we've done to get us up 30 to nothing, all the good plays that we don't get a lot of reps of, we shouldn't practice those. We shouldn't work on those. We should shut it down and sit on the ball and hope things go well. Grant, what happens when you do that? Uh, you let the other team back into the game. TCU was successful on only 29.4% of second half plays, whereas Baylor was successful on only 23.4 second half plays. But that was enough. Baylor scored 16 points in the second half. TCU scored three. Uh, Baylor had the ball with, with time uh, down, down two scores in a, in a very, very scary game uh, there at the end. Um, in fact, a, a team with a healthy quarterback would have beaten TCU probably by two scores, I think, given the way that they were moving the ball and the, giving the, the, the absolute insistence that TCU had on uh, just, just handing the ball back to Baylor over and over again. In the second half, Grant, uh, TCU went field goal, downs, punt, 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 end of game. Well, that's, that's less than ideal. I, I, you know, it's funny because looking at the drive charts and kind of watching the highlights from the game, it seemed that TCU was scoring on a lot of – or moving the ball on a lot of really different types of plays. They were giving the ball to Quentin Johnston in space one-on-one with his, with his matchup. They were letting, uh, you know, Darwin Barlow, uh, Zach Evans cook, which we'll talk about Zach Evans in a minute. Um, and that it seemed like they really just didn't do, like you said, any of that uh, in the second half. And, and that's kind of frustrating because as much as we like to joke about, okay, like, you know, stop trying to just run the ball constantly the running game was working and it was they were mixing it with different passes of course but they were gashing the Baylor defense and then they just kind of went vanilla it looked like absolutely and I'm and I am 100% on team take what the defense gives you yeah um but uh yeah so so TCU had 23 passing attempts eight of those were in front of the line of scrimmage only three of those God. eight attempts were completions, and all three of them came in the first quarter on back-to-back drives. 
Yeah, that that is not an indictment of Max Duggan. That is an indictment of what he is being asked to do. Um, it was working in the first quarter. I, you know, I'm sure some of it was TCU sitting on the ball. I do want to ask, do you, did you see any adjustments from Baylor's defense that were like, okay, hey, maybe you know, they've kind of wisened up to what TCU's trying to do on offense? Uh, no, not at all. I think this is entirely okay. self-inflicted. I, so, so Baylor good, did. But good, good, good. The big thing, the big thing that, that's really damning about this is that uh, uh, our, our friend Jalen Peter, uh, who some might call Jalen Petrie. Uh, it's definitely Petrie. From, from Baylor, he made a boneheaded hit on Duggan and tried to hurt him and got kicked out of the game rightfully. Um, and so one of their biggest threats was gone, and TCU's offense was way worse after that uh, because mm. TCU said, hey, they're you know one of their best defenders out. Um, we we have a third. We have uh, you know we have enough of a lead. It's going to be fine. Um, and that to me is just kind of horrifying because Grant, if you take away the the very fun Darius Davis um, punt return, if you take that away because again that's not crediting the offense, right? Uh, right. TCU was up. What is that? Twenty six, twenty three. Yeah. On offense, they basically needed yeah. a punt return to make sure that Baylor did have the ball with within a field goal um that is uh terrifying to me it is terrifying um i do want to say one thing about that davis punt return which first off i forgot how fun special teams touchdowns were uh without Jalen rager i have not necessarily been excited with how tc was chosen to return punts and kicks this year but that davis return was great and i i wish i had slowed it down and, and you may have this guy parker but there is a dude on tcu that is absolutely pile driving his man uh, as Davis is like 40 yards down the field in this punt return, and he's running left to right on the screen. And then someone from TCU is just shoving a Baylor defender across the field in the other direction. And I tried to get his number and I couldn't, but shout out to that guy for really making a hell of a play. Yeah, big fan of that. I honestly did not rewatch that play because uh, time is money and special teams are random. So I didn't really, you know. There's, they're random, but like I, I, they I are a, you can't quantify them. Well, I can't. I was going to say, I can't let myself have too much fun. So, well, that too. Uh, and also, we should mention um, Zach Evans. How about that, huh? 11.6 yards per carry and so prolific in the, in the past game. Uh, well, theoretically, he had one for 10 yards, but uh, was, was, was uh, theoretically available in the past game, is what I'll say. Um, but yeah, looked, looked really, really good. Broke open a, a big run for 33 yards. Um, and and outside of that was still was still pretty efficient, averaging almost uh, almost ten yards a carry. Um, don't know why he only got seven carries. Uh, he looked great. I I would have taken. I, I kind of tweeted this, and, and this is really the bigger point that I want to make about this entire um, this entire season. game and this entire season. It's like when you when you get up that big, right? right. Um, when you get up thirty nothing, there there are a couple choices you can make, right? Um, first, you can keep doing what you're doing and pile it on because it's a rivalry game. Uh, Dave Rand is a first year coach and uh, TCU needs a moral win and to establish themselves in the hierarchy of the big 12. So win by a hundred, right. And just say, right. Hey, these plays worked. Guess what? The middle of the field RPO skinny post to Quentin Johnson is going to ruin your life. Um, the other thing you can do is you can, uh, sit on the ball like TCU did and dramatically change what you're doing and go for low variance, uh, control possession, and just try and literally just run out of the clock, run out the clock and say, who cares? 
Um, the third thing that you can do, and what I think is, is probably the most interesting and, and probably best thing for you to do, especially given the fact that TCU has long known that 2021 is the year, capital T, capital Y, is to say, hey, uh, Zach Evans, uh, there's been concerns about his conditioning, although we know what that means. Um, and uh, Savion Williams hasn't really seen a lot of time as a running back, uh, or excuse me, as a wide receiver. Wide receiver, um, yeah. Uh, Pro Wells has struggled with his conditioning after being hurt. Um, why don't we use this as the experiment lab, right? Why don't we get in here and say, let's dial up some weird stuff, knowing that we have a huge net, uh, safety net to fall back on in case things go wrong. Um, why don't we try and experiment, find things that haven't been working for us, kind of push the envelope uh, and, and get these high quality reps for these guys who haven't really been able to see the field. It doesn't matter. It's not like they have an eligibility clock this year. Um, right. Literally, like, sure, you can give the ball to, uh, you know, you can throw screens to a Mary Day Mercado and try and, you know, possession and hope he gets a couple yards and, and run off the clock. Um, but also, why not give the ball to your young guys and say, look, we're up. One, go have fun. This is fun to beat your rival. Football is fun. Two, let's work on your timing with Max Duggan. Let's work on your route running against a good defense. Let's, let's try and get you some exposure. Um, and, and I think that's a, a hugely missed opportunity. Grant, I had the same critique kind of last year against Purdue in the second half where TCU just ran it 30 times. Yep. Like, that's fine. And if you want to just win that game, but it's incredibly short-sighted in my opinion. I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I, I was excited to, when I was kind of doing – my rewatch or I guess initial watch and just kind of skipping through and finding me plays. Uh, I was excited to see the, the diamond pistol brought out and then Duggan immediately fumbled out of it, uh, which was not great. And guess what? But, that means that the diamond pistol is canceled. We will never see it. But again. We're never going to so see it again stupid. because a, a, a missed or uh, erratic handoff means that the formation does not work and we can never use it again. Even though the running back, I can't remember who it was, had a wide open hole and was going to get like eight yes, yards. It worked. It, it worked. Yeah. That, that's just, that's just uh welcome to welcome to the hotel california man we can check out yeah. anytime we want but we can we can we never can leave never leave you um, can stab us with your seat yeah it I, i'm, try, I'm trying I, to think on the fly to make hotel california puns and now it's all i'm going to think of for the next two minutes so bear with me if uh it did feel like in this game that you know you talk about kind of there, there are competing narratives as to the uh, constitution of TCU's playbook, as in how is TCU's offensive playbook being dictated? And it seems like the pool of plays is being offered up uh, by the offensive staff and then refined by secret special assistant to the offensive head coach, Jerry Kill, um, via, I mean, and, 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 and in that Gary and kind of limiting it. This mm -hmm. game really feel, felt like uh, the first time all season where TCU not playing from behind, but playing even and in neutral game situations opened up and said, we're going to play aggressively to start the game. And, and one, good things happen. So we need to know good yep. things happen. It feels like what happened in this game is that Gary via Jerry, Gary and Jerry, I can't believe we haven't made more puns about that. Gary via Jerry yeah, good point. said, all right, Doug, do whatever you want. Let me see it. And then they got up by 30 and Gary said, slam the curtain down. I don't want to put any more of it on tape. That's the charitable, that's the charitable interpretation. That's the optimistic interpretation. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm trying to spin this positively to say like, why the heck did you just intentionally shut things down and go so poorly? It would be so nice, especially given that it was Baylor. Like, sure, if it's Iowa State on the road, uh, you know, it's Kansas and it's raining, get the hell out of there. I get it. 
but you were playing in Waco against the 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 long time, the new but but there for a long time, first time head coach Dave Aranda. Um, I think the kind of you know the short in the game, whatever, is just so again short sighted, but it's just so disappointing and deflating. Look, man, you're up by 30 in the first half. Win by 60 at Baylor. Do All it. Gonna do is win, win by one, Parker. Counterpoint. Uh, I no. Well, I, I win win by one turns into lose by three, uh, given TCU's history. Very, so. very easily. Um, I completely agree. I think that Patterson has a weird moral compass. Do you remember last year against Kansas when they scored on literally the final play of the game? Uh, yes, but why TCU was did. that? He he had some excuse where it was like, oh, well, you know, I think it was Mike Collins was in maybe. It was like, well, we just wanted to get some reps or something like that. And look, if you run a play against Kansas, like flip a coin, you might score on it. Well, you know why so, that so is. Like, because happened, Kansas is bad? No, what happened two years ago to Mike Collins at Kansas? Oh, yeah. In 2018, well, was, yeah. Grant. Yeah. Mike Collins had a QBR of 85 points. Shut up. Oh, my God. Kansas. So Gary had to make that right. That's his logic, though, legitimately, is saying, look, man, you, 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 got, you got done dirty last year. We're going to get you a redemption shot here. I, I did not think we'd hear the Mike Collins QBR stat against Kansas uh, on this podcast. Was Mike uh, Collins no, I, in against Kansas last year? Maybe I don't know. I, sure I, I swear he was in that play where – they scored. Um, okay, we're trying to keep this tight. All I'm saying is that, yeah, I agree. It is super weird. <laughs> Parker, before this podcast, was like, hey, quick 30 minutes. Like, agreed. And now I'm only, typing 2019 TCU Kansas Mike Collins. Only, what's, es- only what's essential. Also, Mike Collins' QBR from a game TCU lost on a butt right. fumble in 2018. Uh, would, would you like to talk about the defense? Because I thought it was good. Hey, uh, where, where's my man Kari Coleman been hiding? Um Look, look, like, like the, the, the Baylor's offensive line clearly has some struggles. And, I, hey, Colt Ellison was out there. That was fun. Um, but I, I think Kari Coleman is, is what we wanted O'Shawn Mathis to be, which is, again, unfair to O'Shawn Mathis. His development is not, is not 100% his fault. But uh, Kari Coleman looks to be a, a more than competent edge rusher. TC still needs a defensive end. Uh, and Coleman – Looks to be playing pretty well there, but not as well just as a, as a pure edge rusher. So that's been really, really exciting. Um, I also think it dampens kind of the um, – diplomatically, I'll say the uh, absence of, of Marcel Brooks. Um, so I, sure. I think Coleman is, is, Coleman's playing a role that, that Marcel Brooks would have. Um, also, TCU is, is playing the 3-3-5. They, 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 they're they're yeah, shifting to it liberally. And with Coleman and the role he is, um, honestly, even when he's the fourth, you know, the fourth lineman, that's, that's effectively the 3-3-5. The personnel matches up a lot better there. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm actually pretty um, – I'm pretty happy with the defense. Now, you can, you, know, you can fault them and say, look, they gave up more points to Baylor than anyone except Kansas this season. Baylor's a very bad offense. They let them get in a couple deep shots. Um, I, I think though that if if TCU's offense did what they did what they should have done, and they won this game forty five or fifty two to twenty, uh, or fifty two to twenty three rather, you, we're not worried about that at all. So I, I think the defense did everything that was fine. The second half, if the offense could have just scored, none of it would have been an issue. Yeah, not even could Can have I, if the offense would have scored. Right, right. First things first, uh, 23 for 33, 351 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That was Mike Collins' line. How do you, how you throw for 351 yards and only one touchdown? I do not know. Um, I Can I say something 
not me, but critical of kind of a sacred cow at TCU. I, I, I don't think Garrett Wallow is good in pass coverage. I don't think that. I, I know that he's not. Know that. Yeah. And, like, it, it is jarring at points. Um, yeah. He is an incredibly good tackler. He was incredibly – like, he is a focal point of the defense and should be. He's very good. He uh, – man, if I was an opposing team that had a tight end, I would tell them to, hey – uh, we're just going to match you up as much as we can with 30. Um, especially with how good the D Winters has, has shown that he is, especially yes. in coverage. And so you're like, hey, man, if I can find a way to get away from Wash, away from the Kendrick Van Zandt, away from D Winters and into Garrett Wallow, I mean, yeah. I mean, TCU can't cover tight ends as a rule. But, yeah, man, it's not great. He did not. He did not have a good game in coverage there. I think so. Pro Football Focus had him at a sixty coverage grade and a thirty-five point four, thirty-five point four tackling uh, grade, which is uh, just atrocious. He was targeted three times, allowed two receptions for twenty yards. And One of those I, was a missed tackle. Um, I yeah, swear. I swear they missed a coverage on. Um, like the, uh, on the grades for one of the touchdowns to Baylor. Uh, oh yeah, while it was on him. Yeah, interesting, I, I, interesting. Like, I, I think I can go back and check the tape. But I'm yeah, and that's kind of matched up on a tight end. But anyway. kind of subjective of where it is. Yeah, well, that's funny because yeah, like we literally sure. said last Wednesday, Baylor doesn't really have a tight end, and they used the hell out of the tight end today. Yeah, which I yesterday. would too if I was going up against TCU. Yeah. Um, Charlie Brewer, not a good quarterback. Uh, not trying to beat down on the kid. He is clearly injured. I was talking to our good friend Shayhan Jayaraja about this. Uh, he is not good. Uh, I feel bad for him. He, TC should not have allowed 23 points to that offense with nope. him at the nope. helm. And yeah, I mean, 17, what, what, 203 for 17 yard, like a very, very bad yards per attempt. Uh, he had a QBR right. of 17.9. I, uh, I referred to it as Charlie Brewer and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Um, yeah, the, 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 the really thing, and, and Baylor was their rushing attempt or their rushing uh, attack and just to say that like Williams had 91 yards and Ebner and Lovett were extremely quiet 25 yards rushing mm -hmm. and then between the two of them uh you know 33 yards for uh for Ebner in the air 11 for Lovett and so combined the two of them were under uh under 100 all-purpose yards which is exactly what you would have ex expected uh, to see if, if TC won this game in a blowout and Williams largely in the second half made up a lot of those yards um which is a little bit uh, frustrating. Yep. Uh, can I ask you this? Patrick Jenkins had 31 snaps at defensive tackle. His grade's not great, but did you see anything out of him? I don't remember hearing his name called in any of the previous games. I know, obviously, that's Bethley not being there. Um, I was curious as to your evaluation of Jenkins. Uh, I haven't, I have, I, one, am, am not someone who knows a lot about the defensive line there, but I will say uh, he filled in. Didn't Jacques Sorrell start? Uh, I'm looking at the starters right now. Uh, Ellis no. did. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Ellis. So he and I mean Jenkins and Misi both have the same amount. Um, yeah. And then again, we saw we saw Colt Ellison and Dylan Horton before he kind of got. Yeah. Hurt. Uh, uh, Cooper was in there. It was a whole. It was kind of a, a defensive tackle by committee. Situation. Yes. Which I mean, with with Bethley out and Bethley is out for the rest of the year, according to yeah. reports. Um. And so that'll that'll be interesting to see that. I, all I'll say about that, instead of evaluating talent based on a couple stats when I was really focused on the offense being bad, um, 
I think there's a vacuum there and there's a lot of guys who will be around next year. So again, if we, if we cast everything yep. in the light of 2021, I'm glad guys are getting reps. I'm glad Parker yep. Workman only had three snaps. Sorry, man. Uh, oh, come on. Hey, look, I love look, Parker Workman. What are we doing this year? We beat Texas and Baylor. That's fine. We have we're, no idea what we're doing this year. We, we're, we're preparing for 2021. That's, we, have to be, we have to be eggs in that basket. And I'm saying we, not just from a fan standpoint, I'm saying we because I am a part of the team, evidently. But if you're TCU, every move you make right now has to be maximized 2021. I agree. And, and, and so on that note, I mean, playing Jenkins, Parker Workman is not maximizing your 2021. It maximizes my enjoyment. I, you know what? It does add to the, it does maximize the potential chaos on the field at any point in time. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I want. Uh, I'm excited about Jenkins. Uh, I really am. So I'm excited to see the reps that he gets moving forward. Did you um, know Dylan what, Horton played safety in high school? <laughs> sure. Why not? He was like all conference safety and is uh, bouncing around and gained a bunch of weight. Evidently, he was a late bloomer. Mac Brown recruited him to play quarterback. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Keon Stewart needs work. I am not giving up on him yet. I miss Noah Daniels tremendously. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Um, yes, he got he got sunned on that long. Um, gosh, I guess I guess it wound up being a touchdown when they had Brewer in the backfield. Brewer slipped away and then found uh, Stewart matched up one on one, and he just kind of got beat. Which, like, poor guy, dude. He had a bad, he had a bad week last yeah, week, too. Yeah, he had a bad uh, week. And, and I mean, like, he, last week, understandably, he had a bad week. Good cornerbacks, better cornerbacks than him have had worse weeks against Oklahoma. Just right. Lincoln Riley was like, oh, hello, backup. I am going to ruin your life. Right. It, I, I feel bad for him. I hope he continues to improve. Okay, Parker, we have five minutes left. Give me uh, 30 seconds on the TCU Baylor game, but let's talk national stuff before we go out. Okay, so again, uh, is it fun to beat Baylor? Absolutely. Was a 30-point first half something that dramatically changed uh, our opinions or our evaluation of TCU's, uh, one, offensive philosophy, and two, program's direction as a whole? No. I think the thing that I'm most frustrated in this game is not that TCU couldn't do something, it's that TCU wouldn't do something. And that seems to be uh, pretty frustrating. They did that in the second half of the Texas game. I feel like during the Kansas State game, they didn't go to some things uh, as well. And so those choices have consequences. And almost losing this game was a consequence of choices, not a consequence of talent. That was very succinct and kind of made me feel bad. Thank you for that. Uh, Go to your I will room say and that, think about what TCU is. I, I will say that I am always excited to beat Baylor. I think a 30 point half is good. And I think that it shows that there is potential both not only in the offense and the players, but the coaching staff, because they designed a scheme that would allow for 30 points in the first half, call it 23 because of the punt return. Uh, I think that I wish they would do that more because clearly it's there and they know how to do it. So let's do that more. Uh, Coastal Carolina, Parker. Go ahead. Go ahead. Passed, say, say your, no, say your Coastal, piece. The, I'll talk about Shop to Clears. The Shop to Clears passed TCU and SP Plus this week. They are, uh, they should, they're 49. Are they not a top 10 team? They should be top 10 team. Well, they're, they're Coastal, top 10 Sunbelt team. They, they, had, they are the highest ranked <laughs> coaches Sunbelt team in the coaches poll ever. They're really good. They were a three and a half point favorite. Here's my theory. They won 51 to zero. Dude, that is uh, that is uh, that's opening a can, man. It's um, free money. That is uh, my my theory on that is their offense is it's not really the triple option. It's not fair to call it the triple option. They do run some triple, but it is kind of like a dive speed option. They do a lot of passing out of the option, so they do like a, a run pass pass kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, or I guess a run an RRPO. 
an R RPO. Um, so a dive and then you run an RPO off. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, no, I get it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think realistically all it is, is it's weird and no one had time to prepare their own team, let alone prepare for a weird offense. So like they have a good quarterback in Grayson McCall. They have some athletes, they have, you know, a, a bunch of butterball offensive linemen who just are, are, are treasured deeply in my heart. Um, but, but realistically what they have is they have an offense that just makes a lot of sense, uh, in how it makes descenders make decisions. And so that you just can't be coached to, they just haven't had time to be coached against this. So like, I do not expect this. I expect it to decline. I, I, I think they, they, they might even go and run the, run it in the Sunbelt this year. But like, if you saw, you know, if Louisiana sees them again in the Sunbelt championship, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisiana beats them um, just because they, they have film and they're able to coach against it. Uh, that's, that's a working theory. I don't know if that's what I necessarily believe, but it's a fun as hell offense. They have a great color scheme and they have a bunch of guys who want to win football games, which uh, again, not to, not to throw shade on the TCU players per se, but just say it's nice to see that hunger out of a team and really just get to enjoy some guys who, who enjoy playing football uh, and very obviously are, are, are very passionate about it. Uh, much like a roller coaster, I will ride with them until they go down and enjoy every minute of it. Uh, Michigan, what the hell, man? Uh, look, I, I think Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. Being three and eight against Michigan State and Ohio State is woof, man. It, it's That's not what tough. you got hired for, yeah. If um, you lose to a team that lost to Rutgers, you should probably lose your job. I mean, Mel Tucker. Yeah, dude. Um, well, I, I think realistically too, I just don't know if like Harbaugh is overthinking it or Gaddis doesn't really know what he wants, but like that Joe Milton kid's big dude. I, I kind of think about, you know, in, uh, in uh, heaven forbid me saying this, but like 2014 when Ohio state's second quarterback went down and they had yes. Cardell Jones in and you know what their offensive scheme was when Cardell Jones came in, they had a good the offensive line. Elliott. Yeah. Well, yes, but they said, whatever the hell Cardell Jones wants to do. Like, and I think they, they should really run the Milton offense. Like you've got Charbonnet, you've got really good guys around you. Your wide receivers, maybe not as good as they've been in the past, but um, you've got, you've got a decent offensive line design a scheme. That's going to let that big dude who can run and pass, but like get him the ball, get, get, yeah. make, make, make defenses defend him. And I don't feel like they're doing a good job of that against Michigan state. Also Minnesota our- is very bad. Minnesota is very bad. And, and so that uh, confounded some of our Michigan expectations. It is, because I thought Michigan was very good, so I bet on Minnesota. And um, Well, anyway. Uh, I How about little Tua, man? He was slinging ooh, the ball. Man, he, might, I'm, he, he might do something to Penn State this weekend, man. He, he throws the ball downfield pretty well. He does, and I'm very excited to watch that game because I don't think Penn State is that good. Uh, I think Harbaugh outthinks himself a lot, like you said. I think he just kind of tries to do everything – and winds up doing nothing. Uh, one last game to talk about, unless you have anything else. Uh, in the Big 12, say goodbye to the college football playoff, kids. Uh, Oklahoma State loses to Texas in a game that went to overtime. Uh, I Man, I thought this was a chat game. I almost picked Texas in our round table and chickened out at the last minute. What the hell, dude? Tom Herman, man, as an underdog. Hashtag extend Tom. Four more years. Here, here's the deal. I – we should start thinking of Texas as underdogs, but that's only going to make them win more. Right. It's kind of, yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, look, man, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon sand. When the rains come down and the, and the floods come up, uh, the, house on the, the house on the rock stood firm. And I think that Oklahoma State is a house what built What the on hell are you talking about? 
Wait for it. It's a, it's a biblical metaphor. Uh, I think Oklahoma State builds its house on sand every year. Every year they have the same kind of flimsy, very narrow, precarious. Um, I'll be a bigger nerd. You want to be a bigger nerd? You know, um, Lord of the Rings, and they go and they meet the elf lady in the woods, and she's like, this yes. quest stands on the edge of a knife. If you stray in one direction, it'll fall, whatever. That's Oklahoma State every year. It has to be so precise and tightly wound for it to work all the way through. Not for them to be good, but I'm saying for them to get to the playoff, right? To, to complete the goal, to go all the way through. So, so little margin for error. And I, I haven't exactly formalized that, um, but, but I think realistically, Oklahoma State's house is built on sand. And when it gets shaken, you know, when the rains come down a little bit, it, it, it's really hard for them to kind of say, hey, what's our bread and butter? What's our foundation? Um, Texas had like a 3% postgame win probability. Yeah, um, man. You, I mean, yeah, you, you should have won that game. You should have found the killer instinct to win that game. And, and it seems like Oklahoma State didn't. I also am not going to delude myself into believing that a one law or that a, an undefeated um, Big 12 champion Oklahoma State would go to the playoff over one loss Notre Dame, undefeated Clemson, or rather – one, one loss Clemson, one loss Notre Dame, one loss Georgia, or uh, undefeated Alabama and Oregon. Like, I, I think that the Big 12 was out of the playoff the second that Oklahoma lost the second game. Disagree. That I, think undefeated. I, I think you go undefeated, you make it. But um, I, yeah, Texas's house and Tom Herman's house is built on uh, piles and piles of money. So it turns out that actually stands up pretty well. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm probably going to write a bunch of my national stuff tomorrow. I'll probably write about Coastal Carolina again until my editors at Football Outsiders yell at me. Um, and then uh, I, think, I think probably Tuesday morning I'll have a, a more in-depth recap of the game because I, I, I kind of am going to try and go disciplined by the book and do two things. One, I want to see uh, the, the exact plays and, and kind of diagram them out that TC was successful at and then see, hey, did they like run the RPO later and just didn't give it? Because in real time and even in the second watch, it's a little hard to see like, hey, did they run that Quentin Johnson RPO multiple times and Baylor just covered it so they had to give the ball? Um, I don't think that's the case, but I want to confirm that. And then two, um, I, I have a little bit of a, a project about TCU's uh, history in covering the spread and uh, being, being favorites and relative expectations. So I'll probably have that Tuesday because it's going to be a little more meaty uh, than, I, than I thought it would be. You heard it here first, uh, first, folks. If you are a subscriber, which you should be to the Purple Theory newsletter, uh, give us an extra 24 hours on this one because the TCU Baylor game was very weird and we want to get into it. I'm going to rewatch the game as well and I'll have some thoughts coming out on Tuesday with Parker. Uh, other than that, please follow us on Twitter. Parker is at StatsOWar. My name is Grant McGalliard and I am at Grant McGalliard, spelled exactly like it sounds. Subscribe to the Purple Theory newsletter. If you're not already there, what are you doing? It is the exclusive spot for Parker's stats, my columns, our random thoughts on TCU football, really the only place on the internet where you get the kind of analysis that we do. And uh, we're very excited about how these numbers are growing. It's really cool. And we want you to join the party. It is a party, right, Parker? Yay and barely. Yay and barely. TCU beats Baylor. Let's end it on a happy note, man. Screw up. We won. Win's a win. Take that, you jerks. Go Frogs. <laughs> Go Frogs.